0: Welcome to Unpack This, where academic misfits go to unload their shit. Uh, I am Joe Shu, and today we will be unpacking Netflix's The Chair. So, spoiler disclaimer for uh, folks who haven't seen it yet and would like to be surprised, you probably want to hold off on listening to this until you have fully watched the series.
1: That's correct. I am Constance Bailey, and I'm the other half of this um, awesome pair so the question I want to start with, Joe, is where were you when you first heard about the chair?
0: Honestly, I think I probably came across it not because of academic things, but because I uh, am a giant fan of Sandra O. Oh, and I probably ran across the preview somewhere on her social media, maybe, on, on her Instagram. And that was really actually <laughs> beyond seeing academic representation, uh, seeing Sandra Oh, particularly seeing an Asian American woman as the protagonist of a, a relatively mainstream TV show was a big deal to me. What about you?
1: Well, similar in the sense that I came across it on social media, but I have to say, and I probably have said this before, for someone who studies and writes about pop culture, I am incredibly behind. So as amazing and talented as Sandra Oh is I have never seen, prior to washing the chair, I had never seen anything with Sandra O oh in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, no. and So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of embarrassed. But there is a lot that I have never seen. So you can write a book with the things I have never seen. So, yeah, I, did, <laughs> I didn't come across it on her social media, but people dropped it as if you should know what it was. So then I had to go to Google because people kept saying, I think I'm going to watch The Chair tonight or, you know, have you watched The Chair yet? So there were all of these things on my timeline. And I was like, what the hell is The Chair? You know, because you don't want to be that person who's, who's like out of the loop. And so I felt very out of the loop loop. but uh, So yeah, I saw social media posts from various friends, primarily academics, primarily English department scholars, but certainly some other fields as well. So yeah, on the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll start off with a little bit of a synopsis uh, for folks to maybe brush up, or if they don't plan on watching it, uh, for them to know what, what we're talking about. Um, so very, very Fundamentally, Sandra Oh plays the first woman chair of an English department at what looks like a very posh college university. I think it was largely shot at uh, Chatham, maybe in Pennsylvania. Um, So it, it looks, you know, like a Small liberal arts school type of environment. Definitely not where you and I work. Definitely not a big state campus or anything. Um, but anyway, she is. She's the department chair, and she's grappling with a lot of issues that a lot of humanities departments are, which is declining majors, um, a declining uh, funding for lines for tenure track faculty, and I think one of the big reasons that a lot of academics were surprised at or eager for it is due to the absolute, um, dearth of accurate representation of academics in popular media. I always think the the portraits of professors on TV shows and movies are hilarious because I'm not sure they ever look like they really do anything. They're just constantly on summer vacation or something. Um, so it was it was interesting to see a show that actually grappled with sort of the internal politics of a department of a university uh and particularly from the perspective of you know a a woman who's recently put in a position of kind of power but not enough power and all of that. Yeah, sure. So one of the things
1: that i love about our podcast is it gives us a chance to catch up see you know what's been going on uh but i also think that our audience will appreciate our transparency so i have been having all the technical difficulties today so yeah i'm late but uh so in terms of characters then as joe mentioned sandra O oh is is well that's something we could actually talk about it, you know is it Sandra Oh's story, right? That's one of the things that my friends and I have been asking ourselves. Like, she's the chair. Is it her story, right? So, so, so that's a, another thing. But so she plays Professor Ji Yun Kim, and you know, again, first uh, woman of color, first woman, first a lot of first in terms of you know that. I think it's Pembroke is the is the fictional um, the, the fictional university. There is her colleague who is a hot ass mess. We'll just put it on out there. Bill, um, who is also I think a potential love interest, and that's a whole other hot mess. But we'll talk about that later. There's uh, this mm-hmm. professor Elliot, who is this, I think I almost say every department has one that's probably not true but but he's you know very much depicted as like this old school character who is resting on his laurels, right? He presented this or wrote this groundbreaking book, you know twenty years ago or something and, you know, and, and so, yeah, he's, he's yeah, anyway, and so he's standing in the way of progress in some ways. Uh, if we think of Yaz, who is the young, amazing Black womanist feminist or interle- intersectional feminist scholar, whatever, however we want to describe Yaz, um, it, you know, she in some ways is representative. I, I'm not going to say well, I'll just say progress, so we can unpack all of this later. So just throwing that out there. These are brief descriptions. Let's see. Uh, there's the dean. Um, I think it's, it's Dean Larson or something. He's interesting because he seems to also be, and, and academic deans do come from different you know departments. They have their tenure homes. And so he seems to be, uh, I think he was a former chair, if I remember correctly. So I think he is English faculty uh, I won't go through everybody. Joan is the other, <laughs> you know, uh, very interesting, hilarious character. She is uh, one of the old guards, so to speak, one of the professors that that they, and by they I mean like upper administration, is trying to put out to pasture, which is probably not a great metaphor. It's a horrible metaphor, right? But when we think about older faculty, older people, and ways that institutions try to uh if not save money i don't know in terms of save reputation she hasn't looked at her there's a great meme where where sandra is like when was the last time you looked at your student evaluations and it's taken from a still from the from the show i should be clear right and i think she says 1984 or something like that so so there's some hyperbole but it's 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 also there's a little bit of there's this sense that yeah you know joan is in some ways representative of a certain you know Type, which I think that's again to speak speaking to the popularity. I think a lot of academics see themselves or see colleagues, like we see uh, at least some vestiges of ourselves in ways that we haven't previously. So you know, those are some of the main folks I think you know over the course of this. Conversation. You're missing. No, no, no yes. I said yes because I said Elliot oh, okay. is standing in the way of progress. Of, of yeah, oh, okay. I, I hope
0: I. Oh my gosh, amazing! Like.
1: Why my career? Okay,
0: so I want to I want to pause on what you said about uh, whether or not this is Sandra O oh or Ji Eun Kim's story because I think that was a really great point that was circulating um, among certain folks, which is that <laughs> regardless of the the diversity of the cast, so that is to say, really Ji Eun Kim and, and Kay, K, um, regardless of how part of the narrative is trying to center what it is to be a structurally marginalized faculty member in this environment. A lot of the story belongs to Bill. I mean, he's the center of the conflict, right? Um, stories are created by conflict and he is the reason there is conflict and the entire conflict kind of revolves mostly around him and, uh, how we're going to deal with the fact that he, uh, somewhat ironically, I guess, performed a Nazi salute that got captured on video and then was circulated on the internet. And then, you know, um, students are protesting for, for him to be, um, I guess, ejected from the department. Um, and so I, I don't know, for me, it, it does seem like it is, it is in some ways his story, perhaps in a way that is not particularly generative.
1: Yeah, it, well, you know what? That's interesting, right? Because I think that is, and when the person posed the question, I think that was the juxtaposition that they were trying to allude to, right? Is it Sandra O's story or is it, um, I'm trying to think of the actor's name now. What is his name? Is it Jay? J, yeah, I just lost it. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, J I better use last, it. I better use it I don't know how time. So is it, is, is it Ji Yoon Kim's story or is it Bill's story, right? It, that and and your response was a great one. I think I think when I initially articulated the question what I was actually thinking was is the title the chair because it's more about the department the machinations within departments within Uh, universities, you know, is it about the bureaucracy of academia, right? Um, As opposed to thinking about like, is it about these very interesting, troubling, um, overwhelming, (laughs) you know, lives that all of these characters have? So I think there's two or three questions that we could ask, right? In terms of like, whose story is it? It's, It's really compelling because there are so many narratives or, or vignettes that are that are subsumed under the auspices of the chair right because not only is ji-yoon kim the chair but then by the end of the series joan is the chair right and so the chair is literally a shit show. i think they have some i forget what the sign says but you know it's a thankless job right
0: it is well it's okay now that you've broken that up into different possible center points for the show I have to say, I I have fraught feelings about the show, which I think you know. I I know a lot of folks binge-watched it, and I, I couldn't. It was uncomfortable in the way that it captured just the emotional difficulty of a lot of parts of this job in ways that I just couldn't sit with for very long periods. Um, I do think that there was phenomenal acting on the part of, say, Sandra Oh. Um, I, do, I did appreciate... Uh, sort of small nods to, uh, just academic life, like the concerns about getting butts in seats. How many times have we heard that phrase? I just, I also really struggled with just the discomfort of, of what it was capturing. And the other thing is that despite the fact that I think it's a very well made show and I really appreciate the sort of representation it's putting out there. I'm not sure it arrived at a satisfying place for any of the plot lines that it introduced. Um, so I, I just to elaborate a little bit, it is sort of in some ways ruminating on the lack of power for someone in a position of a department chair and the sort of way that ji is pulled in multiple directions and un- unable to use this position in any way that is able to incite the sort of change that she intended. It is kind of trying to talk about cancel culture in a way that doesn't make a clear statement about it and it is also sort of set up as a as a rom-com which by its own nature I don't find particularly satisfying so th- there are there's these different threads throughout the narrative that I just I didn't arrive at a sort of emotional catharsis for in terms of any of them mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that's the, the sense that many viewers, myself included, had. I mean, we had, there is this sense of anticipation, like what will, assuming there's a season two, what will it bring? But it's also, it's dread and anticipation. It's like, where, you know, where is this going? But to your point about the precarity of faculty and department chairs, it just felt so, it felt horrible. It's it, it just, yeah. I mean, you could literally feel ill and some people did, you know, watching it because it just invokes a sense of, of dread, quite honestly. And one of the things I, re- I, I'll, I remember this from a conversation I had with an associate dean at some institution that I worked at. I don't think it was this one, but one of the things that, uh, the associate dean said, or the dean said that chairs control the department budget and they control faculty teaching. And, you know, that's it. (laughs) And I don't think that was trying to be dismissive. And I also don't necessarily know that that was earnest, (laughs) you know, but it did give me a sense of Wow. On the one hand, this person has a great degree of latitude in terms of working with their faculty, in terms of being flexible with their schedule and, and whatever. But on the other hand, this person has a whole lot of freaking work and little to no power is what, what else I was is what I heard. That's not what they said, but that's what I heard. So
0: Yeah, well, and and I mean I think some academics have made this point online already, is that one of the things though the, the show is does capture some parts of academic life that other representations have not, it misinterprets the sort of role of a chair. They kept calling it a promotion where we know we've been in departments where it is not a desired position right because it takes away from a lot of the things that you actually came into this job for from your research from your teaching it's actually you know for me it's a nightmare job in terms of like herding cats and trying to get academics into the right places doing the right things also constantly apologizing for what you do not have the funds for or the resources for um so so it 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 kind of, while it was working on the limitations of that position, still also saw it as, framed it as a sort of elevation in prestige that it wasn't quite. Um, But the thing I wanted to say about both what the show did well and what made me feel icky about it was that it captured something about this job that I've been sitting with a long time, which is that... the the everyday stakes of what we do are not life-threatening. I do think that what we do changes lives. I do think that that the importance of of words, of how we interpret communication, of how we engage with representations of other humans affects how we engage with those humans in real life. But it's not like a, a pressing emergency type situation, but the stakes that this institutional precarity creates creates this sort of hyper-competitive, hyper-cutthroat uh, environment where it feels like, particularly for those of us without tenure, it feels like the wrong step and you might be out of a job, out of a career that you've put, you know, the better part of 10 or 20 years of your life into. And so it for me, that was the part that I had a really hard time sitting with just because it, it just stirred up all of those Feelings for me. I'm wondering if you got that too. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's so hard to articulate all the reasons that it is uncom- uncomfortable, is for sure, an understatement. But the politics for any faculty who is marginalized, right? So for people of color, for trans scholars, yeah, it, it's it, there's so much. I think, you know what, we're, we should transition to what we loved about the show because I don't want to sit with the discomfort, <laughs> especially for folks who haven't seen it. It is it, phenomenal acting. Quite funny, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and again, if you're an academic, you will certainly see some things that that you can identify with and that will you know bring you both, you know, bring you <laughs> joy and pain. Right. But what, what do we love? Who are some of the characters that we loved in the show?
0: Okay, So, uh, I mean, beyond loving uh yoon Kim and Yaz, uh, Holland Taylor as Joan was surprisingly delightful to me. <laughs> I mean, when I think about the show, I think a lot about how it seems to be a meditation on power at a lot of points, and particularly the ways that we... That in academia, oftentimes, you have the guise of power without having any actual material ability to affect um, the lived realities of different people around you or the very structures that create that guise of power. And Joan is, is an example of both somebody who's been... Uh, tremendously misused by the institution and also somebody who becomes a part of it and, and perpetuates the sort of harm and, you know, what her role is in that or what her responsibility should be in that uh, is, is very messy. Um, and so, so I appreciated the sort of complexity that she was given uh, as she's processing what her place is in the current iteration of the university. and. You know, I don't know, the whole Rate My Professor rating thing was also charming, I guess, is the word.
1: So I, so I will agree, right, that the casting of Joan and, and Joan was one of my favorite characters. That I, I didn't particularly care for that arc only because, again, as we think about, you know, what's at stake for professors, I was just horrified. Like, oh, my gosh, what if this, you know she like her place in the institution you're right she, she's being completely devalued she doesn't have an office like she's she, treated like crap you know so I I wanted redemption for Joan for sure but I was also very pulled into this narrative where I'm like oh my gosh she's gonna get sued by a student like she's stuck. In, you know I was just <laughs> oh really God. I don't know but so so yeah I did like Joan I I think it probably—I don't want to say goes without saying—but I suspect that most, you know, Black women scholars, Black women academics, see themselves in, in yes. So I think that that's you know, it's just probably no surprise that I just—I just loved her, and I mean, I also feel it's—it's it's not. I do also. There is this this thing and, and I feel very I have mixed feelings, right? Because sometimes I, I'll say I'm not doing edutainment. I'm not here to, to you know, to educate or to, to entertain my students. But at the same time I have, you know, regularly have social media assignments and have, you know, them engage with music and with podcasts and with, you know, I try to decenter traditional literary text in my class and try to make the experience more. I just try to enrich their classroom experience, right? And so, and so in terms of pedagogy, I, I identified with her strategies, but also how I think, and I would always feel like when I'm being, you know, evaluated or reviewed, like how does this play with with faculty who are older and who don't necessarily, not so much even that they are dismissive or wouldn't maybe embrace different pedagogical tactics, but that that is not something they're familiar enough or conversant enough with to even have the ability to talk about why it matters or what, you know, so, so I think, you know, and when she sees this review or or external, I don't know if it's an external review or a letter, you know, that her colleague has written, you know, I, I feel like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop because I I think to myself, you know, could this be me? (laughs)
0: Right. And, and I just, yeah. So. I think something that they capture in that show is the way that particularly, I think it was Elliot who viewed this teaching strategy as some, in some way pandering or uh, reducing the material when it's fundamentally not that it is making it relevant, making it engaging in a way that uh, other approaches might not. And for me, it's also, I mean, what we study is is not necessarily just the text, but also the life of the text, right? In terms of, of how it affects humans. And it is able to, to give that text a different sort of life in the ways that the students take it up, which I, I actually really like. Um, but I, I agree that uh, Yaz definitely represented a range of experiences that particularly black women in the academy are, are intimately familiar with. Um, for me, I actually think an uh, underappreciated character is uh, Lila, the so Bill's grad student, um, who I found particularly empathetic. I also i I found it really meaningful to see Asian Americans represented as English uh, scholars and faculty, in that we are. Almost never seen as members of the humanities in that sort of perpetual foreigner model minority stereotype. We're supposed to be scientists or doctors um, and never sort of part of language because we're also supposed to be foreign to to the English language. Um, so I, I appreciated both, you know, Sandra Oh and and uh, Mallory Lowe who who played those roles. And there was this this really heartbreaking moment when um, she's the grad student Lila's in in um Ji-Yoon's office and Ji is trying to set her up basically so that she'll she'll have an advisor and be able to finish her degree. And she she says something like, You're putting me on a life raft or a lifeboat. Um, and she she asks Jiyun, Do you have one? And for me, I don't know I don't know why, but that moment just crushed me. <laughs> I, I forgot about that moment. <laughs> yeah. And and Sandra O's inability to
1: to really have a you know I yeah there are so many moments in that show that are they're hilarious moments but they're also man moments where you're just
0: O oh is so good at emoting <laughs> with just her face and possibly like not even movement in her <laughs> face um, they're just moments of close-ups where she's internalizing something that's heartbreaking and it's she communicates it so well the other thing I, I wanted to say is that The positioning of an Asian American woman in particular in this sort of liminal position that is the chair, that is somebody who, particularly an associate professor who is a chair, and the sort of middle generation that she is in her own department... It captures the sort of liminality of Asian Americans in terms of racial politics, both in the United States and within universities a lot, on top of all the other sort of in-between positions she's already in, in a way that was, um, I don't know, that, that demonstrated a sort of reflexivity about the position of Asian Americans that I don't see often reflected in a lot of media.
1: Oh yeah, that's awesome. I really I hadn't thought about that, but I can definitely see that. And yeah, to your point, Lila is a great character. I one of the things I mean, of course, when any you know pop culture phenomenon springs up, especially a new Netflix series or, or whatever, or new HBO Max series, academics or, or whoever, they write these think pieces. And so one of the things that I remember reading was this critique of graduate students or students aren't accurately reflected. And I think the thing that we have to say is that you know one show can't get it all right, right? And so that's always, you know, that's the dilemma with representation, right? And so that's why we have to have more diverse representations of not just different groups but different spaces. So yeah, that. so I think that other than just people wanna see a diversity in terms of different Types of bodies, the racial and ethnic makeup should be different. We want to see not just cis heterosexual people. I think just different spaces, right? That that you can have a show about an academic space, which you know, I network producers are always, you know, wondering what will sell, what's going to be commercially successful, and so that's always for them part part of the negotiation, right? Is this you know, is there a market for it? And I just think that maybe the talent. Probably, but that maybe certainly the talent made the difference. Could have not been a good show, but yeah, I think that the timeliness of the chair just um, it was great for a lot of reasons. But yeah,
0: and I, I want to underscore something you said about art can't be perfect because I think that's that's something we'll have to repeat as we unpack things. I, I think art, you know people have a right to critique art, that's kind of part of our jobs, uh, but also it's impossible to demand that any one piece do everything. And I also, I hesitate to say that you know we should expect, I mean, I don't wanna say that we should expect perfection because then nobody would be able to create anything. And that sort of paralysis would impede all sorts of generative representations and, and conversations. And, and you're right, that's why we need, we need the privilege of having a proliferation of representation so that no one item has to bear the burden of doing all of the things. Um, I did, there was one other moment in the show that, that really stuck with me because there were these sort of gems in the show that captured emotional complexity and nuances and power in ways that were, that hit home uh, in ways that were both heartbreaking and possibly uncomfortable. And there's that moment when Yaz and Ji-Yoon are arguing. Um, and I think Yaz says something like, you should be running this place. And instead you're, you're running around trying to please everyone. And Ji-Yoon says something about, um, is that how you think I got here by by playing nice? And I just, it stuck with me, I think, because I've seen that conversation play out between structurally marginalized people of different ranks who've had different amounts of time in the university. Sort of like, the inevitability of us being here is that we will, in some ways, be a part of the institution. Sometimes, but also that for the for the large for a large part of that experience, we are going against the grain of that institution. But it it looks different to people who maybe just stepped in or who occupy different uh, positionalities within that marginalization, um, and there aren't enough. Conversations about how to discuss that in ways that are coalitional rather than antagonistic, I guess, is is where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point.
1: And so he, here's the thing, right? So there, you know,
0: obviously different
1: characters and different you know different moments in the show will resonate with with different people in different ways, but I I felt that particular exchange deeply, but one of the other sites of emotional complexity that I think to me the show gets right just because, again, it speaks so much to my experience, is Ji-Yoon's identity as a parent and how Mm. challenging that is because so often... The mantra has been do the job. So whatever that means, if it's publishing, if it's working on your research, if it's teaching, in her case, if it's, you know, being an administrator, as if you don't have a life outside the academy. And so many of us have, you know, children, partners, pets. Hell, we might just have plants, right? You cannot be everything to the institution because at the end of the day and I, I literally just said this to someone yesterday whenever I have the opportunity to mentor junior scholars which is not all that often I, I just especially if it's a trans scholar or a woman of color or person of color I, I just we try to be so many things to so many people. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to, you know, to, to take care of self, but also, you know, what's, what's going to, you know, you know, what's, what's going to help you sleep at night. What's like your family or, you know, whatever your thing is, you know, you have to hold tight to that and don't let the institution try to pull you from those things. Because at the end of the day, you can serve on every committee. You can publish all the books. If, if I kill over dead tomorrow, they will have someone teaching Uh, the classes that I teach next week or the week after, I promise you. (laughs) So, and that is not, I'm not trying to be fatalistic and I'm not trying to be, it's maybe a little bit of Afro pessimism, which I don't think we're going to try to unpack that anytime soon. But I mean, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, that, but that's just, you know, in many ways, although our colleagues and, and the administrators within your department have probably a great degree of, personal affection for you, like you, they still have a job to do. The institution still has to take care of itself, right? And so I just try to caution people with any, and it's not just the chair, I mean, we're talking about the chair, but with any, like, don't give your soul to a career because that, that career is not going to, I mean, it will feed you and take care of your family, but you have to still save some emotional space for yourself is, is what the ramblings, that was the purpose. I was going somewhere with that, I think.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good purpose, and I think I think you do do that better than I do. It is something I try to keep in mind, but also something that I I know that I fail out re- repeatedly because this job is so good at trying to claim every every bit of space that that you have. It is. It is insatiable, and in how it will take your energy, particularly because we are invested in, say, you know, junior colleagues or students who are structurally marginalized people, and that we want them to be able to thrive. And you know, it is it is too easy to pour out too much of yourself that you will never get back.
1: For sure, yeah. I, I think earlier my ramblings, and I'll just kind of close this discussion out. But I, I was mentioning, you know, one of the criticisms. I do think you know, Lila is is great. Um, in, in terms of representing this liminal space. But also, I mean, she's you know phenomenal acting. Uh, Mallory Lowe, I believe, is the actress's name. But, you know, assuming it comes back for a second season, I think you know, in terms of this burden on, on artists and creators, like there was room to grow. We don't know what, you know, what season two or season three or whatever, you know, may hold. And so potentially we might see, you know, what, you know, greater representation of graduate students or, or we may not, you know, it may still focus on, you know, the administrative aspects of, uh, you know, small humanities, you know, programs at a liberal arts college. So, I, I mean, I think that, um her role was so well acted that to to get hung up on what's missing, like we're engaged in a critique of the show now, like here's what we like, here's what we didn't like, but you know, to, to say that, well, it doesn't do, you know, and then have this list of like 50 things that it doesn't do. Yeah. Yeah. To reiterate Joe's earlier point, no one piece of art can do that, nor, nor should it, right. We shouldn't want that burden on, on artists and creatives. So yeah, so that's a lot of our, you know, kind of take on the characters. And we did a lot of spoilers without just literally saying, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. So there's there's a whole lot we didn't, you know, tell you all. But I, I do want to ask what you think about this. Oh, there's this whole romantic subplot thing. I just, I don't know.
0: what What's the deal with that? I, I cannot with compuls I, I can barely accept compulsory compulsory monogamy in general in a lot of, media in that, you know, there always needs to be this romantic plot. The dyadic couple is somehow the like central relationship of any given media. When you're right, there are all of these other fascinating relationships to explore. For example, you know, Jian's relationship with her daughter and the sort of cultural conflicts they're having about wanting to raise her daughter to be familiar with Korean culture. Um, And, and I just think that the, the romantic comedy took up, too much emotional and discursive space in a way that I found completely uninteresting. And it also, yeah. I don't i I wanted, G, I, I mean, I understand that, you know, romance happens and that is sometimes a large part of people's lives, but I also wanted to be able to see G. yoon sort of independent from that and to see all of the other aspects of her life fleshed out more fully rather than to watch her fret over this one dude over and over again for most of the episodes. What, what do you think?
1: Oh God, yeah, yeah. I I really hate how, yeah, how the romantic subplot always sneaks in and ruin. Like I won't say ruins a perfectly good show or a good film because it didn't ruin the chair for me, but I, I just hated it. I think it was it just didn't feel. And it's not even so much like I, I don't I don't get into all that. Like oh, they didn't have cameras. I. I I didn't pay enough attention to the nuance of that, you know, to to even, and I never really do because I don't tend to (laughs) like romantic comedies as a genre in general. So I should just give that disclaimer. So that's probably speaks to my bias. But what I will say is that even though Bill as a character is a hot ass mess, I think to me, the romantic subplot and romantic tension... It was, you know, again, I, there's, I just think it was a thing that was thrown in and didn't feel natural if he was, I think he was widowed just like a year or maybe a year and a half ago. That felt not to necessarily that, you know, everybody mourns differently. So even if it was intended to be representative, you could be dating someone a year later, but the idea that you would be dating a, a colleague or and that she would be pining over someone for all these years, I think to me seems not realistic, but also... Bill is a hot ass mess in some ways because he still hasn't worked through his own emotional issues. But he could have been—I I thought the potential in terms of his friendship with Ji Eun's daughter—he could have been redeemed, right? Some of his what, like if if the if there wasn't the romantic subplot and he was just being. A, a good dad, because he does seem to have a relationship, a close relationship with his with his older da- with his daughter, his actual daughter who's gone off to college. So there's this potential, like, okay, maybe someone doesn't have all the aspects of their life together for sure. Like your career might be, you know, so. so but the potential, like, okay, he's a good guy because, or not a good guy, but but that. You know, he has the potential to be a good dad, even though as a professor or academic, you know, he probably needs to go through some intense therapy and work through his own personal issues before he should really be in a classroom, I think is, is something, you know, we could say, you know, about his character arc or whatever. But it, to me, it felt like, oh, he's forming this relationship with this with this kid because her daughter, because her mother is, in, is incapable of it and and it was feeding into the romantic narrative in a way that I didn't like right he could have just been like a good you know a colleague who like i brought my kids in the office and someone's given them markers to play with and been kind to them and you know we didn't have this you know <laughs> budding relationship like i don't know it just it was uh it just felt i didn't like it whatever it, it, there's this um Joe, you may be because we do. I don't know if we've said this in terms of general, age, like age-wise, but I have about at least ten years on you, maybe twelve. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, in living color. But there were there was a, a segment. I think David Alan Greer and maybe Tommy Davidson. I'm going to have to look this up and revisit it on in a future episode. But anyway, they were like cultural critics, and so they would always do this thing where they would try. It would be it was the equivalent of like Siskel and Ebert give something two thumbs down right so they would be like hated it and so it was very much like that's how i felt about that subplot i'm like Ugh,
0: hated it <laughs> i i just had to google in living color so that t- answers your question <laughs> um but i did i want to pause on something that you said which is that this plot could have been and i'm in my mind much more interesting if the if the romance weren't there and i know we just said that we can't ask for art to do everything but i would love to see more rich complex interesting representations of of platonic intimacy you know just because there's just there are few interesting friendships on television or or movies and that could have been a space for one right uh she she could still have a crisis about what she's going to do about this faculty member of hers if she cared deeply for him in a platonic sense and they really didn't need to shoehorn the romance in there for that to work
1: yeah, that was much more articulate than what I said. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but platonic friendships are a thing and they exist in the academy and in real life. So it would have been amazing to just see that. And I do think that the the series is trying hard to to make Bill this redemptive whatever. And most of the people I know are like, oh, he's a piece of shit. Or not, not that, but you know, he just yeah, it, it, we were rejecting the white savior trope that was, seemed to be trying to, I don't know. There was something going on there that, that we weren't feeling. But I do think if he had just been a good friend, it would have been less, I would have hated his his plot or storyline
0: less, maybe. I don't know. I, I I agree with that sentiment. I see that we have written in our notes takeaways. Do you have those? Ooh, takeaways. That, is, yeah. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean, I, so here's what I would say. Assuming you have not watched the series, I do think you could, you could certainly binge it in the sense that it's, I think six episodes, they're 30 minutes. If you are not an academic or if you are an academic who is not in an English department, I think it's an easy watch. You could get some great laughs. You could have, you know, like There's some highs and lows and the ebbs and flows of the episode would would play well for like a movie night. So I, I would totally do it. But if you are a you know, if you have any sense of precarity and you are an academic, I think it will feel very tense, very fraught. And it might invoke, again, I don't think this is hyperbole, it, it might invoke feelings of, of, of dread or ang- anxiety. There, Yeah, anxiety, I think, is what it, it triggers for a lot of academics. So I would just say I enjoyed it. It's it's a worthwhile, yeah, I don't have a big picture, like, here's what I think you should take away. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's worth your time.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we covered some caveats in that the representations of students are not at all fleshed out or three-dimensional. They're missing, for sure conversations about contingent faculty and the ways that labor is now predominant in the academy, particularly in humanities departments. Um, I think that it is still a nuanced representation of a lot of struggles that structurally marginalized faculty have um, in in, in their positions in ways that are emotionally uh, difficult. And I... See the thing about about art and it having potential to be an actor in the world is that I kind of I kind of wish the like large amount of uh, university faculty who watch this show were also thinking about you know the faculty who see themselves reflected in say Yaz or Ji and that that would carry further into academic politics but I think that that would be probably uh, too far of a stretch for me to wish for.
1: Yeah, well, but so, but to your point, right, art absolutely can be transformative. And, you know, it might be, in terms of, of, of bureaucracy, I, so here's the thing I will say, it, at least in terms of academic bureaucracy, I think because a lot of institutions have gone to a student-centered, almost customer-oriented model, rightly or wrongly. I do think the whole David Duchovny storyline, which we're, we're taking doing takeaway, so you have to Google it or watch it. So I'm not going to go into that. But to your point, I think where the series has the potential to be transformative is is if it's student initiated. So if students have a watch party and invite faculty and upper administrators to come in and talk about, you know, what are the issues? Like, what? How is this relevant to our institution? What What can we do to? You know, think about you know even Lila as as she in some ways is representative of contingent faculty, um, although graduate students aren't quite they, yeah. There's a lot of nuance there, but but yeah, I mean I think the conversations. It won't happen from, let's say, junior scholars and junior faculty saying, uh, and marginalized people saying, you know, these are some really good issues that the. the show, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's gonna, <laughs> but, but it could be, uh, fruitful and generative. Maybe you know, if students, you know, try to engage, you know, upper admin in some dialogue. At the very least, they could get them a, a David Duchovny to come in <laughs> for, for a
0: bit. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so we've covered most of the show. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you want to touch on? Not that I can think
1: of. I mean, I, of course, I, I always, you know, I'd love to discuss all the things, but that's, of course, why we have, you know, the, that's what the next episode is for. But, yeah, I think there are a ton of things that, that I could say, but, um, but, I, but I won't. I think that you have to probably watch it see for yourself and then chime in and let us know what what you think or what you thought about the episode we are always available on the social medias at the unpack this at gmail.com and on Twitter at the unpack this podcast so uh, give us your thoughts let us know uh, what you what you thought about the chair
0: Awesome well thanks for listening and we will see you all next time.